The following message was given by Mark Beckton on Sunday, July 24th at Redemption Hill Church. For more information about the church, visit us online at www.redemptionhill.com. Starts next Sunday. We're calling it Hallway Hellos. 
There are many folks who stop going to church because they say it's just not friendly. And sometimes they have a justified reason for saying that. And any one of us can come up with a list, and I've been a pastor now for approaching 40 years, and I can come up with my own list of why not to go to church. But to be honest with you, I can come up with a longer, sweeter list as to why to go. Uh, it's just the problem is, many times the heartache blinds us from the sweetness. I, I, I remember that. My wife Lori helped me with that. On our 30th wedding anniversary, we took uh, three days, went to a resort area and just stayed. And Lori surprised me. She handed me an anniversary card. I opened it up and it was thick. It was a sweet card, but what was inside was sweeter. She had gone through our pictures. Now, we're old enough to have a lot of pictures that are not on our phones. They had to be printed. So she went through our file box of pictures and she had three groupings. The first was our first 10 years together. She handed it to me. Pictures of our wedding, of going to seminary, our first house, pictures of when our boys were born. Oh, it was sweet. Even in the midst of that, when we had pain, when our oldest son, John Mark, was born with high membrane disease, his left lung collapsed, and now he was born holding his heart, so many complications, and we had to leave him in ICU and uh, go home without him for a while. That was heavy, but I forgot all of that in the pictures of the sweetness of those 10 years. The second 10 years, we're serving a, a couple of churches, and in that time, two different houses that we made home. I got to watch my boys grow up in those pictures. I got to coach them and flag football and in baseball and in basketball. And it was sweet to be able to relive those experiences. And we talked about it as she handed me the third 10-year stack. In that period, we watched our boys start driving cars. I tell folks oftentimes, when your children start driving, two things go up, your insurance and your prayer life. <laughs> but it was sweet to see them become young men who then went off to college and would graduate. Lori and I saw pictures of our empty nest period. We're still kind of in that, but for those who will enter it, let me just give you this wonderful word of encouragement. Tears will flow as you drop them off. And you wonder, will my heart ever heal from leaving them? I just say it this way. It doesn't take too long for your boo-boo to become yahoo. <laughs> so in that period of time, sitting down with Lori, we went over 30 years of photographs. And yeah, there were a lot of pains in those 30 years, but all we could see in the pictures was the grace of God, the goodness of God, the kindness of God that we had experienced, the joy, the peace, as being a family. Psalm 122 is the Father putting in your hands so many photographs of the sweetness of being a church family. Now, the key is making the bridge. To be able to look at Psalm 122 and realize that this psalm is actually talking about us as a church. Because it was written in the time of David and the church hadn't been born then. So how do we know that this psalm speaks to us as a church? 
But let's, let's start there, and then we'll get to see the pictures thereafter. How is this representative of the church? Uh, when I was a little boy growing up, my dad was a pastor, and so I can remember my mom uh, waking my brother and me up. This is probably around pre-kindergarten, maybe kindergarten. But when she would get us dressed for church, she would quote Psalm 122, verse 1 over. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. She may be trying to change our mood that morning, but I still remember her quoting that sweet verse to me. And when you know the backstory, you realize what she said was right. It's true. Here's the backstory. Some of you, because of the wonderful teaching that takes place here at Redemption Hill, realize this is one of the Psalms of Ascent. There are 15 Psalms of Ascent. God inspired David to write uh, four of them, Solomon to write one of them, and then he inspired a, a handful of anonymous writers for the remaining ten. Now these were to be quoted by the people as they ascended up Mount Moriah, a 3,000 foot ascent to Jerusalem. This is where they would gather. The reason they were ascending to Jerusalem is that's where the tabernacle was until it became the temple. The reason they were coming to the tabernacle, to the temple, is because what was inside, inside was the Ark of the Covenant. Now that represented to God's people the presence of the Lord. They were traveling, ascending, and gathering before the Lord. At the presence of of the Lord. And to be candid, I, I love that God inspired David to write this particular psalm because he loved worship. He called it the house of the Lord. And it was David who, who brought the tabernacle into Jerusalem. And, and, and as he did, if you remember the account, David, who loved the Father and loved to worship, was literally dancing in the procession before the Lord. And even as an older king, when he reflected on his life with God, he would come to the end of that wonderful Psalm 23. He says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's a little bit of debate over that. Some uh, will say it refers to our eternity with God. Some say it's because of David's love for worship. I would just love to dwell in God's presence forever. So you can see why this is such a significant moment as David is doing this. Now, the, the beauty of this is, for you and me, is we no longer have the Ark of the Covenant representing the presence of God. And it's not because it was swallowed up by a cloud after killing several Nazis. <laughs> we don't know where it is and we don't have to know where it is. It's because it's been replaced by Christ. I want you to look at this. Uh, take your Bibles and you'll stay at Psalm 122, but find John chapter 1. In the Gospels you'll have Matthew and Luke giving us a genealogy of the line of Christ, fulfilling the promises of God for His coming. But I love the way that John introduces us to Jesus. In John chapter 1, listen to verse 1 and then we'll jump to verse 14. It's a beautiful connection. Speaking of Jesus as the Word, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace 
and truth. What a gift. So now we see in Christ God's presence among us. We sang about it just a while ago as we worship. Now take your Bible still in John go to chapter 14. So we knew in the tabernacle they had the Ark of the Covenant representing the presence of God among them. But now we see in Christ He is the one who's actually among us. God, Emmanuel, with us. But how does that translate to us as the church? Now on the night before Jesus crucified Listen to what he tells his disciples. John chapter 14, verses 16 through 18. Speaking of the Holy Spirit, he says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give to you another helper. Stop right there. You have the Trinity in one verse. You have Christ with us, who is speaking this about the Father, and of the Holy Spirit who is coming. And in just a moment, he will identify who the Spirit is. Continue. He will be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. For you know Him. For He dwells with you and will be in you. Speaking of the Holy Spirit, He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. The beauty of Christ within. The beauty of the Trinity of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And as a follower, the Spirit of Christ comes to indwell us. Eighty-five times Paul will talk about this in his letters. He just can't get over being in Christ and Christ in Him. Therefore, with that said, when we gather together as a body of believers and Christ who is within us is with us, we are in the presence of God. So, the bridge from Psalm 122, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. You'll find it's all about being with God's people in the presence of God. What a gift we share as we do this. There's so much more I want to go into, but... Uh, Oh, let's just jump into it, okay? Uh, one thing, look at verses three, uh, 2 through 5. It says, Jerusalem was built, uh, built as a city that is bound firmly together to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, and was decreed for Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. There thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. One more bridge from... Old Testament, Psalm of Ascent, speaking to the New Testament church. Talking about the thrones that were set up, that there will be the thrones of the house of David. Matthew chapter 1, his genealogy, talks about Christ. It says this, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Just as God promised David in 2 Samuel, there will always be someone from your lineage on the throne. Probably that. And now you and I have His presence with us, so we should gather with joy and gratitude for five different reasons. Five different pictures that are given here in Psalm 122. So let's start with that. The first one is this. The great delight to be together. Look at verses 1 and 2. 
I was glad when they said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. As I shared earlier, David loved to worship. He danced before the Lord in bringing the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. But it wasn't just about David's experience. Look at the pronoun he says. I was glad when they said to me. It wasn't just about his experience. His experience was made richer because he knew he was going to be worshiping the Father with others. So the question is, who is they? You have to go down to verse 4. It's the tribes of the Lord. The tribes of the Lord. This is the tribes of Israel. And the beauty of this is God had instructed Israel to gather three times a year. Outside those three times they scattered. They were in different regions. But three times a year they gathered. They gathered in the spring for Passover, in the early summer for Pentecost, and in the fall for the Feast of Tabernacles. When, when I had the joy of being in Israel, uh, our, our guide was a Jewish believer. He said regarding Passover, the, the population of Jerusalem prior to Passover was around 50,000. But the population at Passover swelled anywhere between 200 to 250,000. It was quite the gathering. It was a spiritual experience to all who gathered there that day. It was amazing and they knew what that was like. And to be honest, because I had grown up just going to church like some of you have, and for some of you, you've been going for a while. After a while, it becomes a routine that's part of your life. You forget the necessity to your being to be together with God's people. And that's what COVID did for me. There were some individuals under COVID who, who struggled with it. And uh, it's, it's those that I lovingly say are the extroverts who get life from being with people. That's not me. This is the gathering where I worship, 8.30 service. And if you see me and my family, I'm literally in the back corner back there. I've been a pastor for all these 40 years, and uh, for 36 of those, I was the fellow doing this right here, which meant I sat at the front and had to be at the front. And I would tell Lori most of our ministry life, I would love just to sit in the back. Guess what I get to do now? <laughs> But that is my nature as an introvert. So it didn't hurt me that I wasn't around a lot of people. But I was so amazed when we gathered for the first time. And even though we couldn't recognize each other with the masks on, to sing together, to read and quote scripture together, to do communion together, to hear God's word together. I literally told Lord, I felt like I had been a plant that had begun to receive rainwater, not just water from the quarry or wherever they get it from. You know the difference in rainwater. And I was revived again. And the Father purposed it that way. Therefore, we gather, it is the sweetest gift we have to be together. Because in doing so, you understand, when the Spirit of Christ fills us as followers, for some of us, when we get together, when we share what's happening in our lives, you have a sense of mercy in you that is from the Father. 
You listen with empathy. Others have a beautiful sense of encouragement that comes from the Father. Then you have those who have that gift of discernment. They can take the most complicated setting and be able to hone it down to the clarity of what is going on. And then when there is a need for order of what's going on within us, there are those who can simply put step A, step B, step C, that we can get to step D. And it's just wonderful to have all that together. And you and I have that when we gather. Furthermore, when we do gather, some of you like me, the Father kindly opened our eyes when we were young. For others, He opened your eyes when you were older. And yet when we tell our stories, it's still a sense of awe over Him. And yet we get to see it from a different side. For some of you, it was a gentle eye opening and a sweetness. For others of you, it was a painful eye opening. And yet you still see it with such gratitude and grace. And we talk about it together. Worship your lives. You see why it'd be right for us to say, I was glad when they said to me, when my brothers and sisters said, let's go to church. Let's worship the Father. Reason number one. Reason number two, picture number two, because we're grateful for our identity. In just a moment, we'll see it in verses three and four. The uh, first full-time church I pastor, where our boys were born, John Mark, our oldest, was not quite two. It was in the church nursery. It was not a large church. and We didn't have the grace ministry. We, we knew everybody who was at church. My uh, family from Oklahoma drove to Texas to be with us that Sunday. And uh, John Mark's Derek, uh, uncle Derek, my brother-in-law, went to pick him up. As soon as John Mark saw Derek, popped up with his little diaper on, looked and said, There's my people! <laughs> It was the sweetest thing that we remember today. Honestly, that is the joy that we get to have when gathering together to worship. We get to look at each other and say, there's my people. That's what you find in verses 3 and 4. It says, Jerusalem, built as a city that is bound firmly together to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. It's the tribes of the Lord. They belong to Him. And the word Lord that is used there means He is our security and He is our strength. Yet when you look at the history of Israel, you'll notice that there are times in their history they did not revere God as their strength nor their security. In fact, their own sinfulness surfaced. And there is a long season in the history of God's people where there were Two kingdoms. They split. They were divided. To which I say there is nothing new under the sun. For us, our identity is in Christ. We know the Father, we have salvation because of Him. We are adopted because of Christ. Therefore, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And yet, on any given Sunday, our fallen nature can surface. Sincerely, I am saying this not in any finger pointing because I am jumping into this group of all of us. All still be conformed to Christ in our fallenness, but on any given Sunday, 
our own pride will surface somewhere. Our selfishness will surface somewhere. Our desire for our own way will surface somewhere. And when those things aren't satisfied, our anger or our bitterness or our lack of forgiveness will surface somewhere at some time. Which is why we need to come back together and remind ourselves of our identity in Christ that He has built us. Look at verse 3. It says, Jerusalem is built, it's joined together. It, take your Bibles to find Matthew 16. We were there last Sunday. But I want you to go back one more time. Because I want you to see us as a body with clear eyes. Look what Jesus says. Verses 17 and 18. Speaking to Peter after Peter has said to Christ, uh, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. You could not come up with this on your own. It had to be opened to you by God. And I will tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, the identity of who I am, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It is the beauty of Christ who does this. Our identity is set in Him. One of the greatest pictures is one I've shared with you before, but I want to share it now. Is of the prodigal son who has come home, still stenched, filled with the experiences he had had. Humble and slumped shoulder, he said, I'm no longer worthy to be your son. And the, 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 the prodigal son's dad says, No. And brings out the sandals for his feet because slaves had no sandals, sons did. But above all, it was the robe. The robe was what the head of the family wore. And he brought it out only on those special occasions when they gathered for a wedding or when all the family was together. And when the head of the family came out in this ornate robe representing the family, all the family breathed with joy. And he is calling for that one and takes that one and puts it on his son, still stinging with the aroma of his life of disobedience. Before he ever steps to see the family, the dad says, I want the family to see my dignity on me. That's what Christ has done for each of us. That's the reason we come together. We worship and we weep joy because we didn't earn it nor deserve it. It's been grace to us by God. I've lost count, so let's just go to the next one. <laughs> the other one is to be grateful for our present and our future. You find this in verse 5. It says, there the thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. David pictured a, a judicial system taking place in Jerusalem. The thrones for judgment were set. Under David's reign, Jerusalem was the highest court of judgment in the land. The king was a chief judge according to 2 Samuel 15 verse 2 and 1 Kings 3 verse 16. Then he had his sons, brothers, kinsmen of the king or his assessors and advisors. And because of the godly consistency of the judgments made, 
regardless of what was happening in the world, God's people felt secure. They experienced peace. For us, we have that same privilege, regardless of what is happening in the world, because of the decrees of our God in His Word, because of our surrender, submission unto Him and what He has said, regardless of the chaos that is spinning around us, we can still breathe in peace. God is in charge. We long for that. Uh, I hadn't been in Richmond long, uh, maybe a year, when the planes hit the World Trade Center, when they crashed into the Pentagon at 9-11. It, it was staggering to every one of us. But this is what I remember too. For the next three Sundays, our services were packed. When I looked and talked to other brothers who were pastors, their churches were filled. It's because in that moment, we were no longer in control. It was too much for us to, to process. And so we were seeking the only one that we could trust. And honestly, brothers, sisters, that should be our MO data. Because He is judge and King, we rest in His day. And even when it's a long period of time, when things stay chaotic, we can still trust in the end because Christ is on the throne. It is talked about in, in verse 5, the thrones of the house of David. 2 Samuel 7, 16 says that someone from David's lineage will be on the throne. Matthew 1, 1, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, son of David, son of Abraham. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. Hebrews 12, verse 2 say that Christ is on his throne. You had the crucifixion, you had the resurrection, you had the ascension, and Christ seated on the right hand of God in throne. There to stay. Therefore, regardless of what's happening here and now, we rest in our future as well. One of the privileges of being an older pastor is older sweet experiences. And one of those was with a woman who is my age, and I was her pastor for, I would say, 15 years. Both of us in our 40s and then 50s. But she was my age with Down syndrome, which meant she always greeted me with the sweetness of a nine-year-old girl. She would see me in the distance, and if I didn't see her, it was dangerous. Because she would run. And as soon as I turned, she would leap and embrace me. Literally, almost knock me down. And because of this condition, there were times where her world needed to be settled and right. And if it became unsettled, it would disturb her. Her dad was a pastor. By the time I met her, he had passed away a few years before I met her. And whenever she would get truly unsettled about her life, something had happened. She would say, but my daddy has always told me, Jesus is still on his throne. And she would rest. That's the joy we share when we gather. We are living in a fallen world. And the sin is all around us. And some of it's from within us coming out and our responses to it. 
But the beauty that we have is the sovereignty of our Lord and the promises and decrees of His Word, and particularly, not only for the present, but for the end. Jesus is still on His throne. We rest in Him. One more? Actually, two more to stay with me. Look at verses, uh, the final four verses. What you're going to find here is we're grateful to pray for the church when we gather together. You find that because the word peace occurs three times in the last four verses. Look what it says. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. So we pray for the peace, and as David does so, seeks it, prays for it. It's for the brothers and companions. It's not just for his own. You and I sometimes pray for peace just for our own life. When we come together as a gathered body, it's for the brothers and sisters as well. And this word peace does not mean simply to be prosperous enough so that you can rest from all of your bills. It doesn't mean that you have that emotional rest or that you can be unharmed. The Hebrew word literally means to be whole or complete. Pray for the brothers and sisters that they experience wholeness and completeness in Christ. I can tell you, even as a pastor, uh, for, for, for many years, my prayers weren't aligned like this. My prayers were that the church would grow. My prayer that the church would have so many different ministries involved. Now, I've learned through the years just to be larger and just to be active doesn't make you healthier. doesn't make you whole. When Lori and I married, you know, his first 10 years of photographs, prior to getting married, my brother and I roomed together in college. We had to eat according to our budget and our cooking. When I married Lori at 21, my senior year of college, I got to enjoy her cooking and my weight came on. My weight went up and then so did my blood pressure. I may have been larger, but I wasn't healthier. And then I remembered my mom and dad. When dad started pastoring, this was the day when, when dad at his first church was paid with chickens. Literally. They, they helped dad go sell chicken eggs. He could get some of the proceeds. And when that family wanted to get rid of a chicken, they gave it to mom. Mom literally had to cut the head off the chicken. And at that moment, she experienced most of that, that chicken was the most active one in the yard. But it was dead. You can have a large church and not be healthy. You can have a lot of ministries and activities. And the church can be dead. What you pray for, for the gathered body, is the shalom. The peace that we as followers of Jesus Christ experienced His promise. It is a, a beautiful thing. Because Jesus says this in John chapter... 14 verse 17. Before uh, his crucifixion, he leaves with these words, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. So don't let your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Pray for our wholeness in Christ. Pray for our completeness in Christ and all the other stuff. 
falls into place. Now, you've waited so long. This is the last one. Thank you so much. Verses 1 and 2. We're going back to the beginning. We're not going to go through all the other ones. We're just going back to the beginning for one last point. Look at verses 1 and 2. Look at the tenses of the verbs. Because I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. The picture here is to be grateful for the experience of gathering with brothers and sisters. Scholars have debated over this. It is a psalm of ascent, and it's about preparing your heart for being there. But some of the scholars, looking at the tenses of these verbs, said... My feet have been standing there. So that when you and I exit, one of the beautiful things here that we've had to do as elders is stretch the period of time between services because there's such wonderful dialogue taking place from the experience that we have shared together. But it will last longer than that. At least it should. I mentioned our 30th wedding anniversary. I went into detail over the pictures. In about a year, a year from December, Lori and I will celebrate our 40th. That was nine years ago. And I still relive it. I'm still grateful for it. And that is the beauty and the gift when we get to gather together. And there have been so many times, even, even for me as a, as a pastor who's a, a preacher and a teacher, where the very text that I was teaching from that Sunday, by Tuesday, by Wednesday, I had to have it come back to mind for what the Lord had purposed in my life that week. Or I had somebody else speak it into me because of it. That is the gift that we have when we gather, when we worship. And even when we go, we're grateful for the experience that we've had. Truly, it is rare because it's solely in Christ. Would you bow me, please, just for a moment? Father, thank you for this time. I just pray, Lord, that what has been shared by your word. Father, uh, what we have heard. And more than that, Holy Spirit, knowing that we prayed at the outset that you would open our understanding of Scripture. What you have brought to mind to each of us as individuals during this period. The Father, that it will lead to our even sweeter expression of worship now as we take communion together. Father, we would not have what we just talked about, we would not know it to be true had it not been for you, Christ. You are the ark of our covenant. Your blood was shed so that just by your blood once for all our forgiveness is said. We stand before you as clean and holy. Lord Jesus, thank you for your humility to come and sacrifice yourself for us. And Father, as we consider you coming and walking among us, your presence among us is Christ. 
and then to have your body broken on our hand. We praise for displaying such love. Father, we acknowledge that as we take this communion, it is announcing our shared identity in you. Father, what a gift we have to know that you are the one who opened our eyes. You are the one that made our sin to us known, your holiness to us known, our salvation through your grace to us known. Father, so as we take this together, Father, let us marvel of what you have given us. But also, Lord Jesus, answer your prayer in this moment through this expression of taking the Lord's Supper. Renew our oneness with you. And renew our oneness with each other, Father. In Jesus' name, I pray. You've been listening to a message by Mark Becton given at Redemption Hill Church in Richmond, Virginia. For more information on the church and to hear other messages, please visit us online at www.redemptionhill.com.